Hello everyone, Jet of the Future here. We just wanted to give you a quick update about the numbers correlated to the coronavirus. So as of today, February 16th, globally, the number for the coronavirus outbreak have risen to a whopping 51,857 confirmed cases with 1,278 deaths globally. The reason that those numbers have skyrocketed since we recorded this episode a week ago is because they changed how they diagnose or check for the virus. Basically now the only thing that they're doing to like affirm that the virus is the virus is by taking a CT scan of the lungs to check for pneumonia. From what I understand, the reason that they're doing this check for pneumonia is because that's the main identifier for the coronavirus symptoms, or at least danger of dying from it. So I think their reasoning for expanding the diagnosis to just being someone with pneumonia in their lungs is to better regulate how they're protecting people from it, and kind of like a rather be safe than sorry type scenario in tracking the virus. But besides those numbers changing since when we recorded, everything in this episode is still really relevant to how to protect ourselves and how to educate ourselves on the virus itself, and we hope you enjoy. We are two friends trying to gain perspective on the remarkable world around us. I'm Jet Jones. I'm Mackenzie DeMaio. And this is Friends Fascinated. If you like what you hear today, don't forget to review and subscribe. This episode, we are going to deep dive into the coronavirus. This week's fascinating fact was sent to us by the friendly retailer on Instagram. She messaged us to let us know that basically J.K. Rowling, the author of the Harry Potter series, wrote in the section about Quidditch after a fight with her boyfriend. So she was basically comparing the golden snitch and the fight to get this golden special ball in the game was the comparison to the man's ego in sports and like pride and those things. So I thought that was kind of funny that That's interesting. an author's real life perspective and a tiff with her boyfriend could cause her to write it into her book and make it like a really good bestseller and, and millions of children <laughs> to run around with brooms yep basically <laughs> make shots at her boyfriend so thank you for sharing every episode we'll pick one fascinating fact to be read at the beginning of each episode all you need to do to participate is email us at friendsfascinated at gmail.com or you can message us on Instagram. If we pick your fact, we'll read it at the beginning of our next episode and give you a shout out. We also want to mail you a sticker for participating. So we're excited to see your submissions. The hot topic of this week has definitely been the coronavirus. Yep. We've been hearing about it on the internet, at work, <laughs> in our free time. Yes. <laughs> Constantly. <laughs> I feel like when you have like a corporate job where you're in cubicles and you're near people, like if the weather changes like five degrees, people are going to be talking about it, let alone if there's a pandemic <laughs> happening yes. somewhere in the world. You're going to hear about the coronavirus and everything that comes with it and all the speculation and all the things that it could be. Um, but today... We're going to break it down. Yeah, like today when you walk into the lunch area and there's like 18 <laughs> bottles of hand sanitizer before yep. you can eat any food. Yes, we have That's a company-wide you know. lunch on Fridays and never in the past have we had <laughs> uh, the option of using hand sanitizer, but they had a specific 
hand sanitizer a whole table, table right between what, the doors and the food yes which i imagine not that's subtle a, that's a really good idea though it is. i mean we should have had that a long time ago so it's yeah. great i'm glad that the coronavirus is making people be wary of health and germs and all those things but it's kind of funny that it's the main it's that top push for that mm-hmm. topic yep yeah it's definitely been a big deal this week and kind of takes us back to a lot of other similar things in the past yep. i know the number one thing that it reminds me of was when i was in high school uh is when the swine flu was a big deal yep. and it was like this constant thing in the news it was on the radio every morning on the way to school talking about the swine flu and how it was such a big deal and how people were dying and all of this and so now as an adult i have more context and i have a better understanding of what's going on and so it's safe to say that it's maybe being blown out of proportion a little bit (laughs) a little bit a little bit so um we were i don't want to say excited we were interested to learn more (laughs) yes it's a current event and i feel like i've never been conscious enough or like had the time or the resources Mm -hmm. or the effort put into (laughs) looking into the current event that's Mm -hmm. going on as far as uh, like health concerns well and it's easy with the way social media is and the way we receive information to just kind of let it come to us yeah so i mean part of why we do this podcast is to seek out that information and make sure we're informed with accurate information and so this is a good example of a way to do that and a way to protect ourselves against viruses and things going a little bit below surface level Mm -hmm. but to start off i did want to do some learning as Mm -hmm. far as just the basics and what we learned is that the coronavirus is a virus and what we shocker (laughs) and so what i learned about viruses is that they are they cause diseases um some are serious some not so much But it surprises people that viruses aren't technically alive, but they live to replicate. So that is interesting. Basically, you can think of a virus as if it is a parasite of like cells and bacteria, basically. Mm -hmm. So what a virus's goal is to do is to infiltrate a host whether that's an animal or a plant or a bacteria or a fungus and multiply sometimes they're confused with germs or bacteria but viruses are much 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 smaller Um, you can basically think of a virus as a tiny package jacketed in a protein covering inside is either dna or rna and if you've listened to previous episodes we've dove a little bit deeper into dna so i would encourage you to go back in other episodes to learn more about that Um, but basically in the virus each molecule serves as an instruction book and it's genetic information that provides instructions to tell the cell what to make and when to make it how to be a bad cell yes When a virus infects a cell, it sends the cell a simple message. Make more viruses. Evil. I know. So basically, it's hijacking your own cells to create the bad boys Mm -hmm. (laughs) in your body. It's bringing them all to the dark side. Pretty much. I know when I was younger and even actually not that long ago it took me a really long time to understand like probably longer than it should have the difference between like the cold and the flu and a virus and like all those different sicknesses i just thought oh you're sick like Mm -hmm. sick is being sick yeah so i know it took me a while to kind of grasp 
that. Yeah, this actually, learning more about viruses helped me differentiate the idea that I had in my head just like a week ago where I thought when you either had a flu or the cold, the reason that you were having adverse reactions to what was going on is that your body was producing white blood cells to fight off the virus and therefore your reaction to those viruses were the things causing your symptoms. So, for example, white, what I was imagining, and again, I don't really know this for certain, but like when you create mucus or things like gross things like pus and those things, that's having an excess of white blood cells that are trying to oh, like and excrete. of them. Yes, this, it, they're trying to kill and excrete whatever the virus is. Okay. Um, but also I'm learning now that viruses can produce some of those symptoms as well. It's not your body fighting the virus that Mm -hmm. is the only thing that presents the symptoms. The virus itself can present the symptoms. See, and I guess I always thought the opposite, that it was the virus that was presenting those symptoms and then your body felt bogged down and some of the, you know, being tired and sleeping a lot and the fever, those were more results of your body trying to fight it and being overworked. Yeah, so it sounds like it's a balance of both. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. But viruses can be really hard to treat, um, basically because they live inside your cells as a shelter. That teeny. Yeah, and they can hide from medicines. It's also important to mention that antibiotics do not work on viruses. There are other things for that. Correct. So um, the things that are helpful with viruses and things like influenza, for example, would be vaccines. And so I know that's kind of a hot button topic nowadays that's gotten controversial for some reason. (laughs) Well, I think what (laughs) I don't correct me if you heard differently, but from what I know or what I think I know of the origins of the um, anti-vaxxer situation is that there was this like famous celebrity mom and I can't even remember who um but she said that she was part of a study or her child was part of a study that had proven that vaccines or something an ingredient in vaccines caused her child to have autism and I know that that's like one of the common rumors which is not true yeah first of all Yep. Um, it's definitely like it's been a controversy since the beginning of when vaccines were created. Yeah. And I think the main reason was because in a way it's kind of like it just feels unnatural to put chemicals in your body. Or yeah, um, something especially in a baby or yeah. a young child cuz I think the first vaccines are around 1 year old. Mm-hmm. And so it feels I think even like younger, a really big actually, deal. Yeah, but... it might be like 6 months even. But of course, I mean it's a big deal. You should pay attention to what you're putting in your children's bodies what they're eating things like that but i mean we take medications for other things and so we're, we're putting chemicals in our bodies we take vitamins various things it, it doesn't have to be such a big deal yeah. um you know we have those things for a reason and so what vaccines do is they essentially provide immunity against particular diseases So typically how that works is that they contain an agent that resembles the disease-causing microorganisms. 
and they're often made from weakened or killed forms of the disease. So another common misconception is that people think that vaccines can make you sick. Mm -hmm. If you take, for example, a measles vaccine, people think that it can give you the measles, Mm -hmm. and that is not true. The contents of the vaccine are either killed or they are so weak that you could never get sick from them. Mm -hmm. They are given to you with the idea that it's introducing your body to something in a small amount and that teaches your body that it can recognize. It can kill those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. It basically stimulates your body's immune system to recognize that that agent is a threat to destroy it and then to further recognize and destroy any microorganisms associated with that that could be present in the future. It's like sending your frontline military men to boot camp basically. Yeah, it's teaching it how to fight (laughs) the bad thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so there's different types. Um, Vaccines can be prophylactic, which prevent the effects of future infections by a natural or a wild pathogen. But there's also therapeutic, which those are vaccines that they're working on that could help fight against cancer. So those are still being investigated, but that's something that they're working on. And so the reason that again, that we have them is because they work. We have modern medicine because it works. Yeah. And so that's been proven by a lot of the uh, diseases that were once a huge deal. Like children often would die from diseases that now are not a problem, at least not typically. And so they're the most effective method of preventing infectious diseases. Immunity due to vaccinations is largely responsible for the worldwide eradication of smallpox and the restriction of diseases such as polio, measles, and tetanus from much of the world. So those are a few things that had a huge impact on our populations in the past that now you don't really hear about people getting those. Now, unfortunately, with people fighting against vaccines and not giving their kids vaccines, those cases have come up again, which is really sad because it's a preventable disease. So, but those are the types of things that we want to prevent. And so the World Health Organization reports that licensed vaccines are currently available for 25 different preventable infections, which is incredible. Hmm. So this is just like a weird jet tangent of thinking about spirituality and the life and everything that's within it. But something that I've thought about, especially when learning about what a virus is, is that it's technically not categorized as a living organism because it cannot reproduce on its own without a host. So the thing that crosses my mind is this concept of the morality behind choosing to kill something that has developed. So if we tie it back to our previous episode, Nature versus Nurture, where we talked about natural selection and why things happen and I mean if we're going spiritual you could say God's plan or you know just why the universe yeah the fate of the universe to me it's kind of interesting this concept that we are changing the course of history with things like vaccines and Mm -hmm. it could go either way you could argue the person who created the vaccine is a living breathing thinking organism human being Mm -hmm. who wants to solve an epidemic of children or the weak or the young or the old dying from something awful but there's also this weird part of me that understands why it feels so unnatural to have a vaccine because in a lot of ways I can imagine this idea that taking this vaccine is killing off a particular virus which is 
borderline living, borderline just something alive. I don't know that it seems it's like, what if we let all of these diseases go just rampant or just Mm -hmm. take their course? What would happen if like we just let whatever happened happened? Mm -hmm. Is it supposed to be that way? Like is the world supposed to be that way? Is that what the world does to like help climate change like is that what balances things out are we hurting that well it is interesting because there is the concept of i guess overpopulation and the Mm -hmm. fact that you know as people reproduce the planet is getting more and more full of people (laughs) and we're also living longer than we used to and Mm so there are predictions about limited resources and that there's essentially almost too many people for the amount of resources that the earth can produce and so i i can definitely see why Maybe there are ideas for Earth kind of self-equalizing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, so, I feel like anti-vaxxers aren't in that mindset, Not though. typically. There are religions that, like, definitely are against any medical intervention yeah. at all because that's it's true. kind of against God's will. In At least that's how I understand it. But I think that there's a lot of different ways that you can look at it. Sometimes it's just the fact that Either they think that there's going to be adverse effects, such as a child having autism, or they think that, again, it's unnatural, it's chemicals, it's modern medicine that they don't like kind of thing. So there's a lot of different arguments that can be made for it. Um, But it's interesting because, like, for example, with cancer, one thing, I I think we talked about this last week, or at least we learned about it last week, that your genes evolve. And so part of that evolution includes, for example... um, you can see a trend in lung cancer increasing dramatically uh, around the time that cigarettes were invented. And so you can see patterns where, okay, now we're correcting for things like that. And so in a way, we're correcting our own mistakes where, oh, we invented something that was bad and now we're creating medical resources to then correct that. And so you could argue fate either way that, oh, we altered fate by creating this problem in the first place, but then we're altering fate by correcting it. And so it's interesting to think of it that way because humans, with the innovation that we have and, you know, for example, we created cars which affect pollution and the ozone and all of these things. And all of those things on some level are going to affect our bodies and evolution. And so it's well, hard to decide I... where you draw the line yeah. and what you should and should not change. Well, and then we talked about cloning. Yeah. And all of the repercussions of that. Like everything has a ripple effect. Yes. It's the butterfly effect, nature versus nurture, cloning. DNA. It's all connected. It goes all the way to the top. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's way deeper than we think. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we will probably have this realization in every single episode that we go through. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) In any way we could circle it back to the psychology behind why why the world is the way it is and why like do you include a virus? in the earth's plan for Mm -hmm. its own existence or do you only measure that on a human scale Mm -hmm. or do you only measure that on a environmental scale or should we measure it at all yeah it's like or 
like you said, if it's not measurable, is mm-hmm. the earth just existing enough? Yeah. And if the all the people die, if all the viruses die, and even all the plants die, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean? If everything on the face of the planet, this is going so far deep. If everything on the face of the planet all died, in the grand scheme of things, what does that mean? Does it mean nothing? It probably or does doesn't it mean, mean anything. Well, exactly. It means everything until everyone's gone. And it, then it means nothing because it doesn't <laughs> affect anyone. Well, exactly. <laughs> it's just insane. So anyway, that's where my brain goes when we talk about stuff like this. It's just like, what does it all mean? But I do think it's interesting and helpful mm-hmm. that we try to better and understand yeah. and vaccine against and protect our weak and innocent and pure mm-hmm. and young and old and pregnant and those who cannot mm-hmm. have the vaccines it's important to build that up in the healthy people so that we're not spreading it to those who are weak well and that's what it comes down to like we're not here to answer the questions of the universe because we simply <laughs> cannot however much we try yeah but what we can do is try and protect others and i think that's the right thing to do whether or not we're going to run out of food someday or not i think it's the right thing to do to protect everyone Mm -hmm. and so the big thing with vaccines is that you want to protect everyone everyone should get the vaccine because for example if no one gets the vaccine and a few healthy people say our age get sick it doesn't necessarily affect us that much we'll probably get better and it'll be fine but then if we go over to volunteer at an old folks home and we get all the old people sick (laughs) then then, they all die (laughs) yeah their bodies are not able to protect against it the same way same if we walked into a daycare one day Mm -hmm. maybe we're early on we don't realize how sick we are Mm -hmm. but those are the types of people that cannot protect and like you said um people who are pregnant um cannot i believe they cannot have vaccines and so it's protecting against those that for one reason or another, are not able to protect themselves or their body is weaker. And so, yeah, maybe people our age, we're healthy, we have a strong immune system, maybe we think we don't need a flu vaccine every year. But it's not so much about protecting yourself as it is protecting the greater good and trying not to spread and not be a carrier for those things. Yeah. And one thing specifically about um, coronavirus, for example, is that you don't have to necessarily breathe on someone or touch them some of these viruses can live on a surface for a while. Mm-hmm. So you sneeze and then, I mean, you cover your mouth with your hand and then you open up the door, a public door. Well, then hundreds of people are going to touch that door and they're all going to be exposed to that. And so there's a lot of reasons why it's important to do things like wash your hands, but also be vaccinated so that you're not keeping that alive and being a carrier for something like that. Yeah, and in this episode, we do want to deep dive into what we've tried to learn about the history and the origins and where coronavirus is going and how dangerous it actually is. Mm -hmm. And then we can go a little bit deeper on how we can protect ourselves and others from this particular virus Mm -hmm. because as we said it's not the first time we've seen something like this Mm -hmm. i mean in the past even few years we've had things like ebola or swine flu um i mean just in the 21st century we've had 
almost a dozen vaccines that are now available for people that we can protect against. And that goes back to things like measles and mumps and rubella and chickenpox and tons of things that we have the ability to protect against and that people are continuing to research. Mm-hmm. And the important thing to remember, like we said, the coronavirus has been a hot topic lately and it's easy to let things kind of escalate and seem like a really big deal when one thing that's important to realize is that coronavirus is a big topic lately, but it's still not as dangerous and not as deadly as the common flu. Mm-hmm. And so looking at the symptoms of the coronavirus, it's pretty basic, to be honest. I was surprised how short the list was. It's um, fever, cough, and shortness of breath. So it it doesn't have that extreme of symptoms, but the main thing about the coronavirus is that it can cause pneumonia, which infects your respiratory tract, and pneumonia, essentially what happens is that you can get fluid in your lungs, and that can cause a lot of problems, and that can make you really sick. I think from what I understand, pneumonia, of course, is an infection, and that makes it that, like, nasty as we talked about, white blood cell pus Mm -hmm. nastiness build up in your lungs. And your lungs is where you're absorbing oxygen. And if your brain is deprived Mm -hmm. of oxygen, I'm not sure if it's the being unable to breathe physically, Mm -hmm. like let air in and out of your body, or just the fact that your body cannot absorb oxygen that Mm -hmm. you just become more and more weak and subjected to that Mm -hmm. infection. Yeah, and either one of those is pretty extreme and terrifying yeah Yeah. and especially for people who have weaker immune systems that is really scary yeah and so that's kind of what can happen if you're exposed to coronavirus and so looking at specifically at deaths of coronavirus it's specifically pretty much isolated to china for the most part and as of today uh february 7th when we're recording this it was reported that there's been 638 deaths from coronavirus and roughly 31,000 confirmed cases which is a lot because this has been um at least this i, sh- I should specify this type of coronavirus this strain of this it. strain yeah. there's more than one strain and so this one is called the novel coronavirus and so this particular strain has been, I guess, spreading that we know of for the past month and a half, I think. So that's a lot for a month and a half. And I think the difference between this coronavirus, the novel coronavirus, and strains in the past Mm -hmm. is that if you had the coronavirus, let's say 20 years ago, a different strain of it, it would be assumed that you just kind of had a common cold. Mm -hmm. And they're not all that extreme. Yes. This is just a specific form of it yes but so but it's viral so it would have to be treated by a vaccine yeah and so part of the reason that the coronavirus is a scary thing right now is because we don't have a vaccine for this specific form of coronavirus yet and that's something that of course they're working on Um, hide your kids hide your wives because coronavirus is coming for everybody out here (laughs) And one thing that's actually super interesting about just like the common flu virus that we have every year is that so we, of course, have different seasons than other parts of the world. And so everyone has a different flu season based on the time of year. And so every year the flu kind of spreads around the world. And so, for example, when it's summer here in the U.S., 
it might be winter in Australia. I think it's roughly how it breaks down. Mm -hmm. And so our flu season is opposite of theirs. And so we can gauge what to expect from our flu season based on what they're experiencing six months ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of this cool thing where we can essentially use science to predict what strains of the flu Mm -hmm. are going to be most common the coming flu season based on what other parts of the world are dealing with ahead of time. So it's a really cool thing they can do to predict illnesses, but then there are some of the exceptions where we have something like this where we're still learning where it came from, um, likely animals. um, And so we have to kind of catch up on those a little bit more than maybe we do for flu vaccines every year. Yeah, and it's interesting that you brought up the – the seasonal, I guess, effect of those viruses mutating and changing. Because as you said, I mean, even viruses have their own DNA that control what they're made up of and what their proteins react as and produce. And those mutate depending on what their host is. Mm Because as you imagine, as I talked about before, a virus takes over a cell and becomes that and recreates mm-hmm. to create more viruses. Well, and you think of the way humans evolve, they replicate way faster than we do. Yeah. So those viruses are evolving much faster yes. as they spread. Yes. And something that I learned about when doing a little bit more research is there are types of viruses that can be transferred between human and animal. Mm-hmm. And in this case, um, the coronavirus was speculated to have begun on January 22nd, 2020 in Wuhan, China at an open air market. They believe that the outbreak occurred there because there were so many people and live and dead animals in this market, including dogs, chickens, pigs, snakes, and many more. And some of these animals are animals that could have been carrying the virus Mm -hmm. or a person could have been carrying the virus. Yeah, because, for example, I think bats are one, like, notorious animal that can live with a disease and spread it, and they don't necessarily die from it. Yeah. But they carry tons of diseases that just live with them and then pass them to people. Bats are kind of like the mosquito of the animal world. They tend to bite other Mm -hmm. animals and spread these viruses, so they're a very common host Mm -hmm. to those sorts of things. And so it's... They're unsure if this strain of the coronavirus came from a bat specifically or Mm -hmm. an animal that maybe came in contact with a bat. Well, and another thing that's interesting is that sometimes we get these illnesses from animals that we eat that are sick. And so especially you mentioned that there were animals that were not alive, maybe being sold in these markets that maybe they Yeah, so it actually, what's a little bit scarier is that it's, on a way more micro scale than even oh. what you're thinking. Um, they're butchering animals on site at these live Ooh. auction or Ooh. live open air markets. Okay. So, In, ooh, I don't like thinking about that. Yeah. I, <laughs> of course, I've animals. never been to a Chinese open air market. But um, think of it kind of like Pike's Place Market in Seattle mm-hmm. where there's a whole bunch of like fish being laid out. Yeah. And that's exposed to the air and the elements of course they're going to try to keep it clean but mm, how clean could it really be and it's not like food safe until you get it to a certain temperature 
And if you don't cook it right. Yeah. But on a micro scale, let's say that fisherman, salesman, fish guy (laughs) takes a big old cleaver and chops that fish's head off at the market Mm -hmm. to put it in a bag for you so you can take it home. Well, when he makes that slice, those particles are airborne. Mm. And whatever that virus is, viruses can float in the air as like yeah. aerated little particles like in the air. Like gas particles kind of. And that's how people breathe in. And yeah, I hadn't thought about that. And that's how humans would get the virus mm-hmm. possibly from an animal we wouldn't naturally have gotten the virus from, right? Because we're yeah. not swimming around in the ocean mm-hmm. taking a chunk out of a yeah. fish and like eating it raw right there it's like the exposure is so much more subtle mm-hmm. than that it's almost kind of well, creepier and that's another thing like like i said with coronavirus one thing about it is that you don't necessarily have to come in contact with the sick thing it can be through the air maybe from a bit of a distance it doesn't have to be direct contact you don't have to sneeze on someone yeah. to get sick and i don't know if this is like kind of sensationalized but the photos i'm looking at from the article it's um a i business. literally don't even want to see them <laughs> yeah i won't show you but i'll tell <laughs> you so it's the business insider article talking about the wuhan coronavirus and the market itself apparently it's called a wet market and you can see pieces of like just like open air hunks of meat from Oof. mystery animals. But also there's a photo of these guys like all kind of hunched around on the literal ground of the market. Just kind of like chopping up fish on Ooh. the floor. And it let me just say it doesn't look very clean. It looks like as far as regulations go <laughs> i don't think that the would US fly FDA in a, yeah maybe wouldn't allow <laughs> yeah in america probably wouldn't be happening um but actually this market is closed oh well and i guess to clarify a lot of things have been locked down in china because of this for example travel has been very heavily locked down mm. my understanding is you cannot enter china unless you are a chinese citizen And even other countries are locking down to similar regulations where you can't come in the country if you're not from the country. And if you do, you have to be quarantined for like two weeks. I think I think there's some of that. But and maybe I don't know, again, because we've been looking at the coronavirus since at least the like two weeks ago until now as far as like kind of keeping tabs on it. Mm -hmm. And from what I've heard in the beginning, I don't know if this developed into what you're talking about but in the beginning i think they were just checking for a fever so like let's say you're going through tsa you take off your shoes you take off your belt you get a little scan on your Mm -hmm. forehead to make sure you're not above 98.6 and they let you through if you're if you don't have a fever um but it may have developed Mm -hmm. to like you said a lot more quarantining and like that was my understanding but i could be wrong i i might I wouldn't be surprised know. if it's regional or maybe bigger cities or yeah. what. Um, yeah, and I think it does depend on how close you are to this region in China or, um, you know, if you've been somewhere where they think the virus has been exposed, things like that. Yeah, and something that I thought was kind of crazy is um, an article I found from CNN Travel. Um, it was about passengers who are trapped on cruise ships mm. um, amid this outbreak. So oh I, no, how sad for them. <laughs> free food forever. <laughs> Darn it. Oh no, I have to prolong my vacation two more weeks. Yeah, but I guess um, 
there's three cruise ships around China that have 3,700 people Ooh. aboard, including, um, so that's a crew and passengers included. Um, 428 are American. And so far, 61 passengers from those cruise ships have tested positive <gasps> for the virus. Oh, that's super scary. Yes. And. Oh, that's close quarters. They ain't letting anybody off the boat. <gasps> so there are 61 passengers stuck with this other roughly 4,000 people where there's no getting on or off the boat. And. You think they'd quarantine them separately? <sighs> Like, somewhat separately. Like, hey, yeah, you tested well, positive, you go in this box. I'm sure they do. And everyone else like, goes in this other box. <laughs> Coronavirus people at the front of the Congo line. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're doing that. I think Whoa. they probably are being smarter about I'm sure it they the are. Boat. That's just so scary. But basically, this quarantine is expected to last until at least February 19th. Oof. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. That's super scary. So I guess the brand to look out for is Diamond Princess. <laughs> so uh, It's not their fault. It's just the they happen to be the cruise ship. True. That's who true. Who carried the passengers. With the virus. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so. oh, that's really sad. That would be like, that's one of those things that you just could not plan for. Oh, like, absolutely not. Well, and that's You're about thing. to go on a cruise? You're not thinking about anything. You're carefree. You're like, how many strawberry daiquiris can I fit in my purse? (laughs) Like, you're not thinking about being quarantined on a ship. Like, my brain would instantly be like, okay, what happened in World War Z? And how can I fight (laughs) off these zombies? Because it's about to get real on this ship. Yeah. Well, and as far as, like, things you can do to help prevent disease and sickness and this type of possible so basically stay home be an introvert just kidding um basically check and check yeah easy for us um like the things you can do and they seem so basic but like they they matter is to wash your hands and like follow the specific ways like i don't know it's like 20 seconds with warm water and soap and all this um and like avoid touching your eyes and nose and mouth with unwashed hands of course avoid people who are sick if you think you're sick don't go out stay home don't go into work Mm -hmm. um just cover your mouth if you're sneezing or coughing you know just be cognizant of what germs you're spreading it may not be coronavirus germs but it's still germs that can get someone sick and harm their immune system and we all want to have really strong immune systems right now and i mean we don't have like the common flu vaccine doesn't prevent coronavirus but it does help keep people healthy so Mm -hmm. i would definitely say get your flu vaccine to prevent any lowered and compromised immune systems because like i said so coronavirus has 600 people over 600 people that have died and 31 confirmed cases but if you look at the common flu just influenza in the past year's flu season so the 2018 to 2019 flu season there were 650,000 people that were hospitalized and 61,000 people died that's like a (sighs) hundred times more extreme than the coronavirus yeah and it's not to like belittle one or the other no no it's just because a death from the coronavirus happened versus the Mm -hmm. flu we're just trying to make a point that there are like 
there are reasons to have fears Mm -hmm. of viruses and pandemics and those sorts of things. But in this case, unless you have plans to be around people who have traveled to China or Mm -hmm. you're planning to travel to China, you probably don't have that many correlated reasons to be fearful of your death. You're probably not going to get coronavirus running to Walmart for milk this weekend. <laughs> well, kind of exactly. Thing. Like, you are much more likely to get the flu, which is preventable. Mm-hmm. So take the steps you can to protect yourself from what you can. And at the end of the day, like, there's a good chance that you don't have a huge impact on whether or not coronavirus is spread. So try not to worry about it too much because you're probably already doing a great job. <laughs> yeah, and think of it this way too. Like, for example, we're both – young, relatively healthy 24-year-old women, mm-hmm. we're not thinking that the flu is going to kill us. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very similar for the coronavirus. Like, if you or I were to have, God forbid, get the coronavirus, mm-hmm. um, the likelihood that me or you or, like, a relatively healthy mm-hmm. person with a good immune system would die of the coronavirus to my understanding, is low. Yeah, mine too. I think from what I've Not I'm impossible. Heard, yeah, not impossible. Not I likely. think it's like a 10% likelihood, but I don't know what the overall percentages of the population are, but I would argue that 10% of people are at least infants or people who are <laughs> pregnant or old people who don't have very good immune systems and kind of could be related to that, that 10% factor there. Mm-hmm. So just got to be... Be smart about it. Be healthy about it. Try to get through. But as always, we are not experts. We are just fascinated. You can subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts to hear us again next week. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you have information to add to this week's topic or a fascinating fact that you'd like us to feature on a future episode, you can email us at friendsfascinated at gmail.com. And if you want to send us something, you can send things to friendsfascinated at P.O. Box 997 in Pullman, Washington, 99163. We can't wait to blow your mind with more curiosities next week. You've just listened to another episode of Friends Fascinated. Thanks for listening.